Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 211, episode 2 of Dirt Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness, and it is Wednesday, November 17th, 2021, which means it's National Education Support Professionals Day, Yeah, which... Yeah, that includes secretaries, classroom aides, cafeteria workers, maintenance workers, bus drivers, everyone who supports educators, school leadership, and the students, too. Shout out to all y'all. Did you ever have a a person in this uh, category that you remember fondly? Like, not Um, a teacher, but just on the, the, I guess, the support professional? Yeah, I mean, the, the... front office at Normandy Elementary School in Dayton, Ohio. The person who like answered the phone and was sort of the office manager in the principal's office was like probably the fate. I remember her more than I remember the the principal. I don't know who the mm. principal was, but I, re- I can re- still picture her face and hear her voice. I remember the one of the maintenance guys at my elementary school, this guy, Steve. He like I was in like the video like yearbook class in eighth grade. And so we ran around with this camera like jackass. Style. We didn't know what we were doing. We're like, hey, man, say something to the class, blah, blah, blah. Like shout him out. Would you have any words of wisdom? And this dude, this guy was very few words ever spoken by this guy. He looked straight in the camera and he said, what is air? Who are you really? <laughs> what the fuck? That's wow. my message. And we were like. Oh, Steve. Okay, thank you. And also, shout out Marvis, the bus driver who would always drive our sports team. Yeah. yeah. What did I say the wrong episode number at the top? Yes. Yeah, sorry. Hey. Yeah. That's that's on me. It's on all of us. It's a group effort. Yeah. It is episode three. They know. They know. Okay. Well, my name is Jack O'Brien, aka I've been waiting for a shark to come and bite into <laughs> these thick thighs. I've been waiting for Miss Cantor. To slap and knock out my lights I've been waiting for someone To ask me how is my wife Yeah, (laughs) waiting for Thanksgiving It's the Daily Zeitgeist That is courtesy of Lex Lugie, a little foreigner And I'm thrilled to be joined as always By my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray Oh man, he got 40 months and 15 days Tried to take a life away. Oh, subpoenas fly every night and get snubbed the next day. Weak sentences from DOJ. Oh, since they're white men, they can do whatever they want. They can harm whomever they choose. Meet with Giuliani in a fancy restaurant. But nothing, yeah, nothing can make that big lie true because we came within a hair, within a hair of a coup. Okay, shout out to Marky Marcarellius for that very atonal off-pitch version <laughs> of Prince's. Yes, Prince, not Sinead O'Connor's Nothing Compares to You. Oh, huh? yeah. yeah. That's why I had Hell to hit yeah. you with the, ah, just okay. a little, yeah, just yeah, to yeah, anchor yeah. a little bit. Look, there you I was go. in a panic, and it's hard, you know, I, I'll never do Prince uh, properly. So, look, it was a harrowing <laughs> affair for everyone, not just you, the listener. Well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by a comic writer and sex workers' rights advocate who hosts the Oldest Profession podcast. Please welcome the brilliant, the talented Caitlin Bailey! 
Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm so yeah. I don't have a song prepared. No, I that's feel, okay. You know, all right. Well, what's your karaoke song? That's what I do when people ever say that. What's oh man, ah, uh, it's probably Miranda Lambert's "Gunpowder and Lead." Oh hell shit. yeah! All right, yeah, that's fucking yeah. hardcore. That's hardcore. Can you? Uh, I don't know if there's a way to improv that, but we will pretend. No way! That yeah, that was no, there. I'm not. It's yeah. not. I don't. I maybe I'm not. I don't have that personality. Anymore. Right, right. That's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's not My attention whore buttons have been hit. I'm not. I don't <laughs> yeah. want it that bad. Sorry. <laughs> Fully depressed. No need to act. We hit ours every day. Yeah, uh, I get it. Yeah, no, nice, do, nice you know? hit. Yeah, you're in North Carolina. What, what's North Carolina like? What's the I weather am, like down there? Yeah, I am in Raleigh, North Carolina. We do fall real nice down here. We are, Ooh. yeah, treat good showing. You know, the city of Oaks. It's nice. Oh, is that? The, oh, is that like a? Is that the nickname, City of Oaks? Yeah, yeah, that's our thing. We drop an acorn every New Year's. You know, like instead of the ball. Oh, it's really? A, it's an acorn. Yeah, that's a real thing. Oh, that that's so folksy. Okay. Yeah, we're great. It's that very. Rolls. It's the capital. You know, we read. <laughs> the research triangle. A lot of PhDs in the area. Right, but right, like, right. It's, we, it's cute. We do, we do it cute. Shout out to all of you. We got a lot of listeners in North Carolina. We got to make a, a show. We got to make a trip out there. You should yeah. come. Durham's really cool. A lot of great performance spaces. Yeah. There's a neat comedy scene here. It's cool. Oh, yeah? Because it's funny. Whenever I read, I feel like every in-flight magazine I was reading, like in the aughts, was about like, dude, you got to come to Raleigh-Durham. Like, it's changing. <laughs> the old tobacco mills, now a funky art house it, and brewery. That's true. Yeah, that all of that happened. You haven't right. been lied to. That Yeah, that's, that's and I'm just like, very real. I just would always like flip through the pages on a flight. Like, Damn, that's cool. That looks like an old fucking uh, Doral-like tobacco yeah. facility. And now they, they're selling tchotchkes in there. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's a real thing. My aunt in Montclair has been like looking at like old cigar factory, you know, apartments in in Durham. It's like the cool place oh, to that's be. So cool. Oh, is that kind of like the flow of like how the buildings are turning over historically? Like yeah. the once his like historical tobacco infrastructure buildings are now like great live work lofts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you want your condo to come with charm? Then you know <laughs> things needed. You know we have history down here. And by charm is a tobacco laden patina on all the walls. Yeah. Do you mean right. brick? You can't insulate. We got you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Does it get cold there too? Uh, I mean, I guess, you know, I think it's all relative. You right. know, we have all the seasons, right? There's a reason to buy boots, but like, oh. not for long. Sure, Damn. sure. I love that because we're in LA. Yeah. It's shorts or pants. And that's it. By the way, this might be something you notice as we go along, but all research that we do on this show is done in in-flight magazines from the early aughts. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, just be aware of that. It's a great reference. You guys do like, uh, you know, I don't know, an annotated bib at the end of your show. <laughs> oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, we do footnotes. Oh, and it's all they all link off to various departures magazines. All right. Well, Caitlin, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about. We're going to talk about why Wall Street ghouls shouldn't be reporting on the economy, maybe, even though that seems to be the the default at this yeah. point is like if you're going to talk about anything having to do with money, you need to have spent your time in the trenches at Morgan Stanley or some fucking shit <laughs> at like Credit that. Suisse. <laughs> yeah. We're going to talk about the University of Austin, which we've all been you know, following with bated breath here. Barry Weiss's university that is somehow related to Austin. They're, they have a house in Austin that yeah. I think they Airbnb'd for the press release. Amazing. But they uh, they lost two of their biggest names. So we're going to laugh mm -hmm. at them a little bit. We're going to talk about the show You, because mm -hmm. Laura Ingram has brought it to 
you know, you know how sometimes you'll listen to a podcast that talks about a piece of culture, like Las Culturistas, one of my favorite podcasts. They talked about Survivor for a while, and it made me almost want to watch Survivor. Well, another one of my favorite cultural commentators, Laura Ingram, (laughs) just talked about the show You, and so uh, we're going to talk about why. Yeah, (laughs) no, she's she had some hot takes. Yeah, and then we're going to talk about why the New York City subways are the last bastion of purity and innocence. Uh, All of that. Plenty more. But first, Caitlin, we like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history? Oh, uh, the the last couple of things I was Googling, Lycoris, who was a Greek mime in ancient Rome, who was also a courtesan. So for the podcast and then also parts for a 1987 Nissan that I guess I'm responsible for. So that's been a journey. Uh, yeah, wait, who's like, you said like Horus is the name? Yeah, like Horus, uh, which I don't, I haven't talked to, I'm not confident that's how you pronounce it, but like sure. she's, yeah, she was awesome. She was born sort of the the end of the Republic. She was a lover to Mark Anthony, okay. sort of, you know, when he Before was. Before he was a J-Lo. Oh, yeah, that so, you Mark know, Anthony, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, no, no, not the, <laughs> Sorry. Say, that'd be great. But no, 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 no it's great. <laughs> so she's, um, yeah, and, and she sort of rose to prominence and was like treated as like a respectable woman and Cicero had a problem with it and mm. told her to shut her whore mouth. And Mark Anthony was like, you know, I've done what I can. And she disappeared from history. So wow. that's her story. So oh, Cicero yeah. was like, we don't want somebody with some, we don't need sex positivity in her 20s. Yeah, absolutely. You can't be forcing my wife to meet this woman at parties and stuff. You got to keep her where the, Sluts live, you know, right. that's those are the rules. <laughs> what was the wait? So, in back in those times, was it you know, what was sort of the hierarchy? Like, was it is it a completely impossible feat for her to get to that place? Or, yeah, that, it, it, that's interesting, you know. So, it, Rome is it, like way more patriarchal and like misogynistic than ancient Greece, right? Mm-hmm. So, in ancient Greece, you know, priestess prostitutes or like goddesses that serve, or, you know, like uh, priestesses that serve the goddess through sacred sex and something that we would sort of recognize as like high end, you know, like high art performance sex work mm-hmm. that is still happening today, right? So we, those people had social power and there were like temples and systems and like places carved out. So like Phryne is an ancient Greek courtesan who was tried for blasphemy because she got like uppity or whatever. And she, bared her breasts to the the jury and basically said like <gasps> my you know my tits are divine and fight me if you disagree and she won right and she got her <laughs> win. Clap from the it's jury true. Yeah. right yeah 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 absolutely and like yeah no i mean they're that that's that's god like you know rule. what i mean and so that's ancient greece right courtesans in ancient rome had no such power mm. there was a lot more restriction on their freedom of movement and specifically their sort of like ascent into social circles so it got was it. actually illegal for it had mark anthony married this woman he would have by default and by roman law lost his rank oh wow Wow. right but like also he would have lost his rank and like ancient roman politicians or whatever and folks in the military would lose their rank if they ever performed on a stage so like that association of like actress and sex work or like performer and and you know salaciousness or whatever goes way back and ancient roman mimes directly you know they're not they're not the mimes of today they're not the silent kind it's actually a a predecessor to comedy more than 
comedy in the like the theater tradition, which is like way stricter and scripted and had a lot more rules. This was just like improv on current events, which is right. What you guys do? <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. So we are the courtesans. Uh, yeah. You, you yeah, yeah. 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 and gestures have occupied the same position the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. And we just yeah, yeah. and we just give our hot takes for Casper mattresses. <laughs> we were all playing to the pleasure of the king. Are there cultures that like were less patriarchal and were more accepting of sex work than totally. you know, ancient Rome? Like what? On, what Jack, are some don't of ask the... stuff that's impossible, man. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, no. There's <laughs> what real are some history of the greatest, here. greatest sure. hits. Because yeah, I feel like we are in the Roman tradition, and like we assume totally. that we are like progressive but we're actually compared to other cultures throughout history we kind of centuries behind yeah yeah. i mean there's a lot of evidence about like different beliefs around like women and gender and bodies that provides like a way better foundation right in indigenous communities across north america there's also like in brazil and in india there's a, a long tradition here ancient greece when you're talking about like the western tradition is sort of like like when my when my story of history, which is like way oversimplified, right? I do ten thousand years in seventy five minutes, right? right? Like there's a lot mm-hmm. of erasure and oversimplification that happens. But like I kind of pin ancient Greece as like the briny waters where like we see patriarchy, right? We start to do lineage through the dad, but goddesses that engage in the erotic arts still have real power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. And we go through phases, right? Like the medieval period is like another upstart. Then you have like, you know, the witch burnings and you have like, you know, the de- the descent of disease. I, like, it's yeah. But this right. is my favorite topic. And I'll, you know, I, yeah, I will yeah. corner you at a no, party. I know. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it's always frustrating when we have a guest on who, who's like, oh, the thing you talk about on your podcast is way more interesting than the news. We should just talk about that the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll, we'll try and fit in some news. But I want to keep talking about this. What's something sure. you think is overrated? Uh, you know, I think the police are overrated. They're like pretty new in society and like <laughs> yeah. they've always they like by design protect property and not people. And we should either get like real honest about that and ask ourselves questions about how we want our tax dollars used, or we should, you know, pay other people to do this protect and serve thing because like that's not what they do. Right. What what did people used to do before the police? Like, I, uh, you I had a night's watchman, which was often a punishment, right? So if you like, it was often given to drunkards, right, who would be forced to like walk around the village like or whatever, things. and like, yeah, yeah, Keep an they, eye were, on they were often found sleeping on their posts, you know, right? Yeah, you had it was you know it's community relationships, community vigilance. You do have, you know, villages will get together and like tell you that you have to sit with your hands and head in a wooden yeah. thing and people throw eggs and insults at you and yeah you know, we call it it wasn't necessarily better but like right. yeah. we still do that in my household but it's more a thing that consensual I, is kink. that yeah exactly. <laughs> Just let, them, let me know i'm garbage <laughs> the community aspect of it really seems to be like the because that, that's something we're seeing a lot in the zeitgeist and just in mm-hmm. like modern culture is that like there's this abstraction from like humans by nature are like part of communities that like you know solve problems together and have relations and you know value to one another and care what other people think of them and like care about people and like spend their time solving each other's problems and by like we've we've reached this point in capitalism where like 
not only are like workers like being like abstracted to like numbers on a spreadsheet Mm -hmm. that like corporations are you know adding and subtracting and you know moving around but like that's almost like pervaded to you know social media to like how Mm -hmm. we interact with each other like we don't even see one another we don't even really interact with one another other than like in these very like abstract ways so i think it's like now especially difficult for people to imagine a world without police because they assume well you need some abstract like job that we're just like assigning and paying to do the thing as opposed to like no you're part of a community that looks out for one another Mm -hmm. and that's how you like protect each other and you know stay safe yeah we did a we did a couple of really dangerous things right we equated justice with violence and punishment right right? yeah and then you know we we're suffering from a a crisis of isolation of like you know solitary confinement and the way that we sort of like you know remove people from society both as part of like the punishment system that we have and then also increasingly as you said with work you know we sort of can look to what's happening in in China right now where people are spending you know, like 20 hours a day or whatever like in a in a room behind a screen doing like various jobs we're doing that to ourselves like we're, right. we're and it's grounded in this idea of i don't know individualism and vigilantism that's so much a part of the american story but i feel like we've really gotten like drunk on violence for lack of a better term, and it, mm. and it reflects in the systems that we create. And like our prison system is one reflection of that. But like our work systems also reflect those values. Right. Yeah. It's almost like yeah. there's a there's like a line between like, how hard is your job? And is that a job then? Right. right. Yeah. You know, but yeah. then but then that question stops being asked when you get to the C-suite and you're like, and I'm sorry, what do you do here again? Because you get paid the right. most. So I'd right. imagine your hands must be bloodied with all the hard no, work. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's, uh, it turns oh, out no, that no, the, the, the top job is to take really good care of yourself. And we yeah. just be doing more of that. <laughs> right, right. Oh, yeah, that's a myth that I feed you all. So you yeah, can yeah, fight yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you want me to look good and sound good at, at interviews, I have to sleep. And that means I have to move my body every day. And that's why this <laughs> trainer is on company payroll. Right, I right. get it. Like Exactly. But the protect property, not people thing is mm-hmm. such a pervasive value like we're seeing that in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial right now like he went there to protect property and kill people and the judge is like yeah no that's we can't call them victims because he was protecting property he was cleaning fucking graffiti off buildings so he's a fucking hero like that right and we we really see the rise of police departments during this this transition period in the U.S. from chattel slavery right to the prison industrial complex that we know today that's sort of like 1850s through 1870s like it's the descent of jim crow in the south right Right. and roving polices mostly targeting immigrant communities right in the north and our criminal justice system and the laws that we write and the justification that we use for the labor exploitation that is happening right still in prisons today Mm -hmm. right like if if you tell yourself a story about how if you were alive during slavery you would have fought against it like you have that opportunity every day, right? Yeah, like sure. we, this is a horrific human suffering that we continue to do on people and it shapeshifts and with the, the language that we use to describe it changes, but the reality of it really doesn't. And so, you know, I think it's important to talk about the way that the way that police came up to hunt for runaway slaves in the South, right? right. And to protect 
industrialist property in their absence at port cities in the north. And like, yeah. that's the origin story. Right. And, in, and in a way, it's like two birds with chattel slavery. Right. It's like it's it turns out the people are the property in this case. Right. So I'm kind of doing it all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we justified the whole thing by saying that what we were really doing was protecting white women. Right. right exactly. This is when we see the white slave law, right, of 1910. This is when we have this moral panic over white slavery, which is the same storyline that we see today in the kind of trafficking fears. Like, I believe that we are living through another sex panic, right, in the wake of a, a racial reckoning, right, that is going to be used to justify a violent crackdown on already oppressed communities, mm. right, including sex workers, right? right? And this idea that what we're capturing the real predators. That's that's a very old story. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. 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 One with yeah, a, a rotating cast of characters that are always there, but just yeah. this time it's played by this person or group. <laughs> what is something you think is underrated? Oh, wow. Abortion. Yeah. I don't think we talk enough mm-hmm. about like literally how many lives that procedure has saved, right? Both in a, like a literal medical necessity way and also in an expansion of opportunity, right? Like we just failed as a country to pass, you know, maternity leave, right? Or to expand maternity leave. I feel like we really don't understand the toll of what it means to go through pregnancy, to give birth, right? To have a human being. Like I would like to live in a world where more people understand the realities of, of reproductive health care because it affects all of us, you know, and I think that more people should be, we should be telling our abortion stories, right? I think that this idea that it's a women's issue or a people with uteruses issue right. is, is narrow-minded in the wake of what's happening in Texas. Like, I know a lot of, like, technically and also shockingly casually pro-choice men that didn't grow up hearing the same stories I did about the horrific reality of what it is to live in a society where you don't have safe and legal access to abortion, right? Where the doctors in your community don't understand uh, how the reproductive system works or like how to take care of you. And we should be living in a world where we share more of those stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's also, I mean, a, a, it, it's interesting, especially as it relates to the parental leave thing about how like barely many like men on the hill were actually being like, yeah, like this is good. Like it's like, no, hey, that's that's let the let the women of Congress like try and, you know, pull this thing along when it's like, again, then they're also revealing their very myopic understanding of what it means to be a parent or give birth or those things like, well, yeah, when really it should be. Yes, because this helps fucking everyone, including right. you, the dick haver. Right. In this equation, it's a benefit. So don't just think, ah, well, it's for them. I got to go to work. No, like this is valuable fucking time that you need to, you know, become acclimated to your new family and you're transitioning yeah. into a new phase of your life. And I think it goes back to that myth of individualism thing, right? You know, I think that like we created or we invested a lot in this sort of like false dichotomy between like the public and the private sphere, right? Like home and work. Mm-hmm. And we all, we are all multidimensional members of a community, right? Like, and caretaking and helping to make sure that the next generation is set up. Like, you know, there's a lot more to do in the first three months after childcare. They call it the fourth trimester, you know, like that baby, it's a meant to be a community project. It's even overwhelming, I think, for for two people. But we we have this idea, right, that like the life death life cycle, the um, you know, whether you're talking about ab- abortion or even yeah, like a deathbed or like or giving birth is this like 
secret and shamed element that like divorces us from what connects us to one another. Mm. Right. And I know that like, that sounds like radical and weird, but it really, it comes down to this idea that we think that we can, we think that we can erase people, right? We see that with prisons. We see that with the way that industry works and this idea that life and work are so separate from one another is what allows us to perpetuate these bananas policies that like, People can't get paid time off after making a fucking baby. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, shit. <laughs> that was you want to talk about Wall Street? Straight truth right <laughs> let's, there. Let's talk Wall Street. <laughs> Scathing uh, truth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's take a, a quick break and we will be right back. And we're back. And so there's this sort of like centrist Clintonian version of America, like what what is taken seriously that like starts and centers on Wall Street that I think like if you turn on CNN, MSNBC, you know, any any of the like 24 hour cable news networks like that, that idea still rules there. Like you still have like these talking heads who are going to be steeped in that you know, who think that, like, any serious idea has to, like, be feasible from a, like, corporate VC perspective, basically. And so, Miles, you were pointing out that there's this uh, Stephanie Rule. There's a Stephanie Rule character. There's a Stephanie Rule, one of MSNBC's more popular anchors, who has, you know, made some interesting statements about just kind of what's What's really going on with this U.S. Yeah. economy we got here? <laughs> oh, let me tell you what's really happening with inflation. Let me tell you what's let me tell you a dirty little secret about America and all this stuff about we don't have enough money. So, yes, I think, again, very important thing to note about Stephanie Rule is, you know, prior to transitioning to the news or, you know, Bloomberg, whatever you want to call that shit. She spent, you know, like almost like 15 years, almost two decades you know, working in the world of finance, you know, starting mm-hmm. as an intern at Merrill Lynch, then doing hedge fund sales at Credit Suisse and Deutsche Bank, you know, yeah. like full on just a a child of Wall Street of the markets uh, with the worldview that's like, yeah, man, you can fucking explain everything with the stock market. And she really revealed herself in that worldview over the last couple of weeks. It's funny because you know, I think last week, Jack, I was like, yo, dude, I have to play this clip of Stephanie Rule where she's trying to explain like where like why the prices are going up. And right. we didn't talk about it because I was just more outraged and I was just like, you you need to hear this thing now. <laughs> so let's just first hear her take on, you know, why these dang prices are actually going up. We don't have enough people to fill our current jobs and this argument there are going to be jobs at higher wages. Higher wages are one of the contributing factors to inflation. Hello. Yes. Hello, McFly. Thank you. That's Let what somebody... it is. <laughs> she should apply for oh, to be a dean at uh, Austin University or University of Austin. Sorry, because I'm glad somebody's finally speaking freely here. Yeah. Oh, 100 people know what's really going on. I mean, I, I love immediately trying to tinge people's pursuit of equitable pay as being mm-hmm. the root cause of the consumer pain that they're experiencing. See, that's the thing you guys got it because this is how we pit people against each other again. Right. Those prices right. going up, it's because those people at John Deere want a fair <laughs> shake at the wages that they're being paid or not paid. It's not because of the CEOs not willing to budge on whatever fucking earnings reports they need to show 
stockholders and things like that. That's not what it is. It's these people whining about more work. You're like, oh, cool. That one kind of flew under the radar. And then she then on Monday decided to really just like, oh, shit, OK, they're they're fucking with the first album. All right. Here comes the here comes the follow up <laughs> hit called the let me tell you the dirty little secret about what's happening with America, because if you really need to know what's going on, here's again, I'll just play it for you and we'll we'll talk through what her assumptions are about Americans on the other side. And the dirty little secret here, Willie, while nobody likes to pay more. On average, we have the money to do so. Household oh, savings do? hit a record high over the pandemic. We didn't really oh. have anywhere to go out and spend. And as oh we said God. a moment ago, we're expecting retail sales this holiday season to break records. For those who own their homes, the value of our homes are up. And while the stock market isn't the economy, you got over half of American households with some investment in the markets, mm -hmm. and the markets mm. have hit record highs. So we need to put all of this in perspective. Right. This time last year, when you and I were talking, Willie, nobody had a vaccine. Now, 200 million. Anyway, so guys, I'm sure like everyone, you saved so much fucking money during the pandemic that yeah. you don't know what to fucking buy right now. I mean, that's my main problem right now mm -hmm. is I'm just overwhelmed with too much money and too many buying options. And that is what's hurting the economy. Plus, I think. Yo, you got stock markets. Every every millennial owns a home. What are you whining? <laughs> You're the right. value of your homes went up, you fucking yeah. loser. Yeah. She suffers truly... from the disease of like, my friends are fine. So yes. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also, you know, that what's that whole thing of like, you can only have maybe at most one rung down the social eco socioeconomic ladder as a friend, but like it, it doesn't go much further than that, right? Yeah, it's each class group is aware of the group immediately below them and immediately above them. And then everything else, they even if they like hear about those people, they like can't even like think of them as actually existing and usually they're, yeah, don't they're all believe theoretical. they exist. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, exactly. it, yeah, it's awkward to have relationships past that because all of your advice is null, right? Because right, it's like right. all of the advice that rich people have is like, have you considered spending money on a solution? And it's like, that's, you know, <laughs> right. like that's, Wait, it doesn't, you know, to, to it's a hard way to keep friends. To pay my student loans? I'm saying I'm, I'm facing right. crippling yeah. debt for my student loans and I'm unable to pay for some yeah, basic Miles, your credit's really important. It's important for you to prioritize that. Yeah. Wait, so I talk to any stripper. Spend your way out of it. Wall Street guys is yeah. kink is mansplaining. So like none of this, none <laughs> right. of this is a shock to me. But it's right. like, no, 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 this spreadsheet makes it all right. make sense. Just, Just wait for the value of your house secret. to go up. Yeah. <laughs> but then after this, you know, the outrage was after this clip, like even like Market Watch was like, Stephanie Rule kind of got burned by the pores for saying this stuff out loud on TV. <laughs> and she then like, I think the next day was like on a different segment sort of was able to articulate it's like and i get that there's you know there's two americas here there's actually like seven thousand americas but yeah, sure there's, there's so two many americas there's me and my rich friends and then like the people who like are like my babysitters who like also i've given them health insurance because i'm a good boss but she's going to say like i get it there are some people who are struggling to pay and those things and he's like and then she says i'm like but at the end of the day i mean the prices are the same if you got to get shoes 
or milk. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like there's like a other place. You can milk. actually upscale to infinity on shoes. That's a, that's yeah. a fucking, well, look, yeah, Snapple don't, fact. Don't tell uh, her. Don't tell her. <laughs> Snapple fact. No, it's, Snapple fact. Yeah, yeah. It's a Snapple fact. Yeah. And it, it really is a nightmare of, of perspective. And like, I'll tell you that sex workers have been really struggling during the pandemic, not just because of the nature of our work, but because of, you know, this is when a lot of banking ordinances happened, right? right. Like, this is when Pornhub stopped taking MasterCard. This is when we had the destabilizing, like, OnlyFans conversation, right? This is we're living in the wake of Sesta Fosta, which erased the places that sex workers used to schedule and screen their clients, right? Like Backpage and Rent Boy. And like, remember Craigslist Erotic Services? Mm-hmm. Remember how much fun Craigslist Erotic Services was? Yes. Like, you could just pull up people's crazy date fantasies or whatever of like, right. I'm looking for some, right? Like, yeah. And that was taken away all in the name of, I don't know, rescuing women from money and orgasms, which has been like the real thing that we've been <laughs> waging war on for hundreds of years, right? We don't fight terrorism. We don't fight violence. And we certainly don't fight poverty, but we're willing to wage a war on female orgasms and people making money. Right. Oof. The trend of like closing all those things down, like, is that related to the pandemic? Like, did, was it somehow like, you know, causally connected or is it just like those two things kind of happened? The impact for people living through that, right? Like the impact of losing your ability to make money online was compounded by the pandemic, sure, right? Because like everyone... Course. But I don't, you know, I I would say that, like, historically speaking, pulling way back, times of plague, right, are not great for sex workers, right? Right. So, like, you increase fear, right? You increase reaction, you increase a kind of othering, right? But we really didn't see that with this crisis as much as we did, like, with the with the AIDS crisis, right? So, I I would say it's hard to say. Like, I think with that, we were we were looking at an increase of uh, sort of like trafficking hysteria and policing prostitution before the pandemic. Right, and right. That, that trend has continued into it. Yeah. yeah. It, and, you know, we have the the Q stuff with where suddenly all these people are concerned about, you know, sex trafficking and predominantly... By Democrats. Like, Which is bananas right. because it's definitely happening in their church, but, like, they're right. not Oof. willing right. to have that conversation. Right. right? You want to talk about, like, rampant sexual abuse incest, you know, really like gross shit. Yeah. Close knit. Yeah. Cults are really where that's happening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Look no further. Damn. That's really interesting, though, about like that historical trend. And because, yeah, that, I heard you say that earlier and I was like, wait, that makes a ton of sense for right now. It seems like we're having that. Right. That and so, like, you know, we we lived through this, you know, the the progressive era was a period of time. Like, I think right. that there's a lot to learn from looking back, right, of like, you know, technology changes, but people really don't. So we've been having the same conversations mm-hmm. the whole time, right? Like there, there was even a conversation in comedy, right, in the like 1890s when they were like, blackface is racist. And like there were all these comics that were like, this is censorship and you're fine, you're taking, can't make any kinds of jokes anymore. And right. So like, you know, really, it's, if you look for it, you'll find it. Sure. All right. Well, well let's talk about the University of Austin, because I know I have my application out <laughs> and I, I'm just waiting to hear back. But Steven Pinker and Robert J. Zimmer, who are both like famous intellectuals in the world of, you know, Ivy League, academia, academia they were on 
like the board. They were basically like founding members. That's how it was presented in the press release. And they immediately upon the release of that press release resigned, stepped down from their roles. They were just basically, I think they thought they were like co-signing the idea or like doing a favor to a friend and like co-signing. They did not know that they were going to be like in the headlines co-signing this statement, which was also like very much like real universities don't want you to know the truth. And like they want to. Right. They're like, well, as as my position as a dean, I Right. would say we do want them to know oh, okay Bari what if you yeah, exactly so now? these are both people who I are who yeah they're not gonna co-sign a thing that's like other universities suck they like get all their money from like <laughs> Harvard and shit. Right, Chicago yeah. <laughs> University so but it's just funny how much I don't know they like any sort of attempt at intellectual rigor by somebody on the right is just a house of cards that immediately like collapses in on itself. Yeah, no, there's a lot going on, right? Yeah. You know, it's like on the one hand, <laughs> I understand the right's contempt for like, it's not accredited. You didn't get the magic paper with the magic words in the right, right. order or whatever. And on the other hand, it's like, well, yeah, if it's not like, do these folks not know that you can just read? Like, you don't need to pay, pay like this is join a book club. That's what you're actually looking for is a book club, right. not a non-accredited <laughs> exactly. university with a bad press uh, strategy. Don't make promises <laughs> in your pitch to rich, famous people that you yeah. that you don't live up to. That's a yeah, that's a great way to lose your funding. Right. It's to be just a total comedy of errors because right I now know. we're at the like signatories to it being like, oh wait, what I signed? Oh yeah, no. That's that actually is this is actually conflicts a lot with what my no, sorry, it's actually something I wouldn't actually say out loud that I believe. So no. Wait right. till they get to the accreditation phase. Like what? Like I mean, that's, I mean, that feels like the big question mark. They're like, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll, that's a big we'll if, legit. right? I think if they get to the accreditation phase, that's a win, right? Like, I don't think we're confident that this is going to open. Oh, sure. Well, then it's like, okay, so are you ready for the Title IX discussions based on all this? Because that's part of becoming accredited. And since you're so anti-woke, I'm sure. Please tell us what you think about sex discrimination, please. Is Liberty University accredited? Because I do feel like they can, that's a win that they could get if they were like actually serious about it. Like there are plenty of just completely fucked universities, right? I, I yeah, think I mean, like, there are a lot of them that are accredited. I remember like Bob Jones University right. was not accredited and still managed to place people in like law school, medical school. And yeah. Right. It is regionally accredited. Hell yeah, dog. There you go. Don't need to be nationally accredited when the Southern Association of Colleges and Schools has your back. (laughs) Yeah. But anyways, yeah, it does feel like it is more of a press release with an Airbnb than an actual (laughs) university. And yeah, just an attempt to like trigger the libs. I, I... think you're right and and is... triggered we were right it's like yeah, i feel they, like i worked. hated every conversation that happened around this they're like yeah. their school is wrong it's like let them open their book club in austin who cares right. like it's yeah, fine yeah. it's not like gonna suddenly replace like actual institutions where people like no mom i'm forget berkeley i'm going to <laughs> austin now uh right. sure i mean i'm sure there's there's people who would who would be about that. They, and yeah, like re, revamping the way we do education is not a bad idea. Right. Yeah. 
I mean, they also bring up, you know, like they, they could have a more lit promotional video than just like flashing all these names in black and white. Like, yeah, show the parties of how fucking sick it would be to go to <laughs> the universe, Austin University, whatever. It's like, dude, we have pimps and hoes parties and we don't care because we don't think that's problematic. <laughs> that's okay, the number right. one thing. That yeah. That's great. Yeah. We throw the racist kind of Halloween parties. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> dude, yeah. we do gangster gangster night. And it's all Ooh. good. You know what I mean? Bring your 40s and we get it. We're celebrating your black friends. all the dimensions. So. Yeah, right. exactly. And like, and we have a black, uh, we have black faculty. So it's all good, baby. Right. I think, yeah, because Candace Owens is teaching there too, right? Oh, good. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's take a quick break. We'll come right back. And we're back. And uh, let, let's check in with Laura Ingram. She's got some hot takes on you. <laughs> I mean, hot take or just the fuck? I don't. Okay, so you, the show you has come up a few times now. Uh, yeah. Yesterday, Chris was talking about it. Uh, a few weeks ago, someone was talking about you or the show on Netflix. And <laughs> there's just there are these moments you get sometimes where. It gets these like genuine comedic moments that are born out of like just unintentional like conversations, misunderstandings. And somehow Laura Ingram, man, pick up your Abbott and Costello award because she had uh, another talking head, this guy Raymond Arroyo on to just fucking cry about like woke storylines on TV shows. And again, how like woke ideology is like everywhere you turn. It's like saying racism's bad. Um, so this is now. Their their segment where they go, oh, man, this this is complain about something. And I'm just going to play this in its entirety, because, again, I want to let you know that Raymond Arroyo is trying to bring up a storyline on the Netflix series. You antidote to the politics and all those woke storylines in so many shows today. You know, I was watching an episode of uh, you where measles came up. Wait, wait, wait. When did I mention measles? I don't know. It was on you. What, 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 what was on me? What are you talking about? Right? What, the, is Raymond the even hearing what I'm saying? I never had the measles. Was on you. Oh, this is. We written. never did a. We never did a measles and vaccine episode. Am I? Is this a joke? I know. I don't even know it, what you're talking about. Is, it was on you. It was on you. I've no, never had this is, Raymond. I've never had measles. What are you this talking is, about? This is on first. On it was an episode of a show, Laura. Well, what's it called? You <laughs> again, it's ham fisted, but I'm like, it's, no, they wrote that. That that was <laughs> that was intentional. They oh, no, purpose. Jack, don't take this from me. <laughs> I think so, right? Guys, we're just falling for bad bait here. This Aren't is they, like, no, yeah, no, his the because you could tell the delivery of well, of you, right. I think not, is the, not just being like, there's a Netflix show called You, Laura. Like, what? Right. <laughs> it was so. Yeah, sometimes people forget that their brains work on TV. You know, I get it. Yeah, but, right. like, yeah, that's. Maybe, maybe that's just how, how they are. But that was upsetting. That was, yeah, no, it was, it was frustrating to watch. <laughs> Me? <laughs> I'm, 
I don't have measles. I didn't have the measles. That's not. I, what I'm just. Were. I'm impressed with Laura Ingram's confidence, right? Like, you know, I have way fewer episodes of my show, and I'm not confident we haven't covered measles. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, yeah, yeah, she exactly. was really ready to double down. That never in the history of the Laura Ingram show has measles ever come up. Never. Because yeah. we don't believe in measles on the Laura Yeah, Ingram of course. Show. It's a, yeah, it's a left-wing conspiracy to get us to, you know. To make our children less smart. Okay. But yeah, so yeah, all that to say, I don't know if the people from Greg Gutfeld wrote that, but right. they had I was me. just going to say. I wanted so badly for that to be real. But, you know, I guess that's it's the holiday season. So it's all about wishes at the moment for me. It's just another piece of evidence that Fox News is getting into comedy and liberals are worried which is a headline I think I've been reading for the last 20 years. Yeah. Well, I mean, cute. I mean, maybe, you know, they could, they could, they can take Chappelle, Chappelle now. So. Yeah, that's true. We might be. That'd fucked. be interesting. I mean, could you imagine if he goes there? He's like, I'm going to use this, this Chappelle show, but for the right wing. You're like, oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. That I mean, we're, we're going to pretend that, you know, comedy clubs haven't been owned by conservatives yeah, for right. the last, like since the, before the beginning. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Their clubhouses. Yeah. But I guess that's the thing is like the, the when are they they'll never be able to break through into that point where they're like, God, the libs always get the good TV shows. Like, where's our jank ass? I guess it'll happen for one season. Then people are like, oh, fuck this. I mean, you're raising your eyebrows like you really want to say something. What do you I got? Mean, you know, I just I, I want to say that, like, on a political level, it's really hard to combat a simple story with a more complex one. But art being able to tell complex stories wins. So, like, right. I think our art is better because our uh, capacity to hold multiple truths is bigger than the sort of, like, black and white thinking of, like, victim-villain narratives that, like, drives so much of... Oh, right, because of stuff like, there are only two genders. Right. You yeah. broke the law. That's We can put you in a cage now. That's the rule. <laughs> you know? Like, okay, that's... Whoa. Right. <laughs> see, isn't that funny? All right, well. But I could More see on that next time. us headed back towards there there are these signs that we're headed back towards like the 80s again where the 80s weren't like totally taken over by conservatives but conservatives no, the satanic panic the satanic like, we've got the impact. satanic panic yep. we've got inflation being like mm -hmm. a huge like scare tactic that's coming up in the media and being blamed on the left and just like generally like them right. and I, I could see a a world where, you know, Alex P. Keaton makes another like appearance where we start having like conservative like icons mm -hmm. and movies that are like Rambo 2 where he just goes yep. back and like wins the Vietnam War like single handedly like it's tacitly conservative, mm -hmm. but not like overtly. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I'm. Uh, this is actually a conversation that I have with my husband of like, I fear that, you know, if we have children, they will be they will not enjoy the same freedoms that we had. Yeah. In terms of like how to live, how to live their life. Right. I see like the the bloods in the water in terms of like conflating, right, queer culture, sex workers, right, with violent, exploitative perverts. Right. Like we're not going to stop the priests. We're not going to stop the football coaches. Right. We're not going to stop the abusive dads. But we can shut down bathhouses, right? We can shut down porn sets, right? We can shut down, you know, illicit sex yeah. that's happening. And so, like, that conflation is old and we know where it leads. And yet, here we are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that kind of ties into the next story about the New York City subways. But this is something I think we're seeing happen 
on social media too, where anything that has to do with women's pleasure is being policed. Uh, in this case, it is the products from Dame, yeah, uh, which is a sex toy. They did what every company does. You buy ads, you put it on the subway, and you say, yeah, maybe this will drive traffic to our business. And when you look around, you're like, yeah, it doesn't seem like there's any issue here. But it turns out the Metropolitan Transit Authority may have violated their sacred oath to keep the subway system just completely free from offensive imagery and a bastion for, like you were saying, just puritanical values and purity and sure. innocence because they were they almost let this company, Dame, run their ads. And so when they looked at it, they said, hmm, like you're, you're offering some toys, even though they look nothing like human. I mean, like, genitalia. what are we talking about? Like, is there is there pink skin like or is labia featured in these ads? No, or is this like a photo no. of a toy you know, that you could deduce would create right. well, an because orgasm? Everything is like it has to be like nine steps even harder for like yeah. if it's dick pills, it'll be like. Hey, man, you want your cock to blow through this subway door? Right. You know, and it's like, <laughs> we built a national monument. Let's not pretend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. No nuance really there or like even for stuff like, you know, they're pointing at things like you, you're running ads for enhancement pills for uh, ED, for right. breast augmentation, for the Museum yeah. of Sex. Like, right. Like you Viagra is covered by insurance, but, you know, abortions aren't. Right. right. And like, then right. That, you know. that we're showing like vague images, like because also like their toys don't look like, you know, like, they're not so phallic that someone's going to be like, oh, my God, really? Right. They're just like, oh, this is all very minimal. I mean, I've been to the I've been to the AVNs and I you know, right. I've definitely seen some toys where I'm like, you know, you, sh you shouldn't. That's a. That's for private, you know, right, like right, it's right. Like, so I, I totally like get that. that but I think that you're right. Right. We have a visceral repulsion. Right. And I think that we're equating sexual imagery with violence and it's it's bananas. Right. right. And so, like, we are pretending that we are cracking down on on people hurting people. Right. right. But we are trying to erase erotic expression from the public sphere. Right. And like we've done this before. Right. right. You know, the reason, you know, the, the I hate to go back in history, but it's like literally all I do. So like Anthony Comstock in the 1860s and 70s equated information about women's bodies with pornography and used that to single handedly delay the birth control movement in this country for decades. Right. Mm. By saying this is porn. Right? right. He tried to criminalize dancing in bars and was largely successful. So like we we have done this before and pretending that toys or sassy stories or erotic energy is destructive, I think is like one of those big foundational lies we just have to get over to move right. forward. Yeah. Absolutely. And this is the thing like sort of in their lawsuit. They're like, this is absurd that you're going to say that it's violating like these like you don't it's do picture anything of silicone. sexually oriented businesses. It's like, but and then in their lawsuit, they pointed out that this is like it's unconstitutional. They're infringing on yep. their like their freedom of speech rights, and also yep. saying that like if you're talking about suggestive and explicit ads, like I said, they're like just look around at what you have cooking in the subway already. There are How do you ads think we like sell this. beer. Are you guys nuts? This is yeah right, right. and so. All that came to, to sort of a head. And they said, and as the CEO of Dame said, if, uh, that the MTA was, quote, disproportionately applying their anti-sexually oriented business clause to women's yeah. pleasure advertisements. Yeah, correct. The MTA ended up settling and now with some revamped ads that are very just like I, innocuous. They're just those will be now running in the subway sure. from November to January. But even then, like, you know, it's it's 
these ads are very tame considering what you would see in modern advertising in general. But yeah, all that to say is it took them to be sued for them to finally be like, all right, we'll settle, which doesn't feel like a real win. Like doesn't feel them, like a real win but at all. It's, they settled. And that's now, I think even now the CEO is saying like, ideally, we would have actually just won this case outright, but we'll take it. No, I mean, it's, it is it is frustrating that this is a, a, a fight we we keep having to to push, right? And when, you know, when I say it's all connected, you know, like you can draw a direct parallel between that kind of, uh, you know, the the censorious application of the, the law in New York, right, to the federal government leaving out businesses that you know promoted salacious material, right, so like strip clubs, mm-hmm. porn, you know, producers. Not to mention, of, like, of course, criminalized sex workers who couldn't get any benefits during COVID, right, who were ineligible for um, you know the the public safety net that we created in the wake of this this crisis. And what just happened in Texas, right? So like, yes, the, the, the six-week abortion law, right, or the abortion ban is, is a part of that. But something that was not overturned was they criminalized hiring anyone under the age of 21 to work at any sexually oriented business, right? So that's every 18, 19, and 20-year-old stripper, but it's also every 18, 19, or 20-year-old working behind the counter at a sex store, right? Mm. So they they fired, right? They terminated the positions of all of these young people overnight in the name of protecting them from themselves and their proximity to sexuality. Mm. Right. Jesus. Oof. It seems like there's something also happening on social media like this year in particular. There's like a bunch of people in sex working like industries of various sorts who are having to like delete their accounts or having their accounts deleted by Twitter, like just starting in. Uh, yeah, shadow banning is a shadow banning is a real thing. There's a lot of incentive now for different platforms to like reduce or suppress or all erotic content. Right. So like because we've equated adult consensual prostitution with the horrific crime of trafficking, because we've equated, you know, pornography with rape and violence. Right. It's easier for these companies to just like ban, you know, like hashtag women, as Instagram did in the immediate aftermath of of Sesta Foster, rather than run the risk. Right. Of accidentally having, you know, erotic content that, that gets flagged, which is crazy to me, right? That like, we're cracking down on Pornhub, we're cracking down on OnlyFans, we're cracking down on places that have safety mechanisms that have been created over decades, right? Of sex workers advocating for themselves. And, you know, but in the meantime, the biggest purveyor of fucking uh, child sexual exploitative material is Facebook, right? Right. That's happening in private messages. So we're pretending to care about one problem, like a real problem, but all of the tools that we use, they're just going to bite us in the ass. Right. All right. Well, Caitlin, it has been such a pleasure having you on the show. We need to have you back. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This has been great. Where can people uh, find you and follow you? Well, you should definitely join our mailing list, right? We send a roundup of sex worker rights related news from around the country. You know, we're doing uh, where we can do appearances, where you can catch an old pro show. Uh, Just go to oldprosonline.org. And you can find me across social media at Caitlin Bailey. And you can find my organization, Old Pros, at Old Pros Online. Nice. And is there a tweet or some of the work of social media you've been enjoying? I saw a tweet that made me laugh really hard the other day, which is that succession is unrealistic because <laughs> billionaires can't be funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. True. So true. 
Miles, where can people find you and what's the tweet you've been enjoying? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray and also the other show, 420 Day Fiance with Sophia Alexandra, who actually connected us with Caitlin. So thank you, Sophia, for that. Yeah, check us out. Check us out there. Check that out there. Boom. Now. <laughs> now, is there a tweet you've been enjoying? Yes, there's a couple of tweets that I'm enjoying. Oh, man, I forgot to like one of them. But here's one uh, that I like. First one is from John Gans at Lionel underscore trolling. Uh, said, they fucked up the PR for that fake university. You got to go low key. Just start it. Don't make a big deal out of it. No big manifesto. Then you get a New York Times story in a year that's like, at fake university, students learn the old way. <laughs> <laughs> Feels very right. And then this Absolutely. one is from at Chunk Barty. Charlie tweeted, please stop posting about your accomplishments unless I have the same ones. Otherwise, it can make me feel bad. I seriously shouldn't even have to say that. <laughs> very real very real some tweets i've been enjoying amy at lol ennui tweeted my dream career is bodega cat cast city at heavenly grandpa tweeted what fictional character are you most jealous of for me it's old yeller and charlie at chunk Barty tweeted my boyfriend is in law school and he's taking contract law so i have him look over contracts for me, but he hasn't gotten to the part where he learns if a contract is good or not, <laughs> just whether something is a contract. So mm. he'll just be like, yeah, no, that's a that's a contract. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnote. We link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song do you think we might enjoy? Oh, man. This is a track. This is an interesting one. If you like Portishead, you're going to like this hip-hop group called The Quakers. What? Or they're just called Quakers. But I, I got turned on to Quakers because it's sort of ran by these producers, which one of them is called Fuzzface, who you might know as Jeff Barrow of Portishead. So I was like, okay, because a lot of the people in Portishead do a lot of other kinds of music. And this like rap group, I was like, this is kind of dope. So this is a track called Approach With Caution. It's Quakers with Sample the Great, you know, Ooh. on the mic as well. So it's just, it's, it's just a great sample based hip hop track. And just to know that like, you know, some really dope people from the UK are into it. Like people who are in Portishead should make it an even easier proposition. Uh, so yeah, this is Quakers with Approach With Caution. All right. Well, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. That's going to do it for us this morning. We're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. We will talk to you all then. Bye. Bye.